Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Hey, Jen. Hey, Allie. Cue fake podcast music. Yeah, I was thinking maybe we should get fake podcast music one day. (laughs) I don't know. It's just so hard. (laughs) <laughs> one, day, one day we'll, you know, get our poop in a group. Grow, yeah, grow up, be oh, an no. adult, get some real movie music. This adulthood thing really sucks right now. The level of adulthood I'm at is, um, I decided I should get a new couch, but I'm gonna hold off on new carpet because I was thinking about getting a hardwood floor. But I have a big dog, and I don't want him to be uncomfortable on the floor. So I'm gonna wait till he passes away before I change the carpet into wood. Well, I used to, my house used to all be hardwood, mm-hmm. and my dog wasn't, it, you just give him a, give him a bed or a blanket. Or a nice rug or something, I was thinking. And, yeah, they don't, they really don't mind, but yeah, that's funny because um, my sister was like, you're going to, ch- you should, something happened, we were talking about carpet, and I'm like, I'm not changing the carpet. She's like, that's the same carpet. It's been there for 30-some years. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be there for 30-some more. <laughs> like, no, when I looked into carpet, yeah, it, was, it wasn't the price that okay. turned me away because it was expensive. Yeah, It was the fact I got to move all my shit. Okay, so I, when I moved into my condo, I literally carpeted, recarpeted the entire condo minus... My bedroom and the basement. The basement size of the original carpet. It's a finished basement and my bedroom. And literally everything I owned was either in the basement, in my dining area, because, you know, that's uh, got the wood floor or whatever, or in my bedroom. And you're right. Every, literally everything, everything had to be moved. But I did it just as I was moving into the condo. So it's not like I, I lived in my house and then I had to clear everything out. It was as people were moving shit into my house, I'm like, just put that in the basement. <laughs> Right. I just thought, yeah, just the thought of having to move everything. Yeah, oh, that th- this will. <laughs> yeah, we'll just keep cleaning it. Who gives a sh- Who cares? It's carpet. Yeah. Well, I was thinking first we'll start with just hardwood floors on the first floor. And then from there we'll see. Because I always wonder um, if it's better to have carpet or wood in your bedroom. Because carpet's a little bit warmer. But then carpet, ugh. I don't know. You have to keep washing it and vacuuming it. and (laughs) Carpet is a lot warmer. Yeah. Um, But I miss the hardwood floors. It was easy cleanup. Swiffer around. Bam. Done. And it's great (laughs) for dog hair. Yeah, that's true. Um, Very true. Very, very true. Because I will kill a vacuum. (laughs) Uh, what 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 do you have for me today? I have the murder of Marilyn and her two sons, Robert James Freebold, and I want to say it's Malachi Maloney, first name M-A-L-A-C-H-I, of Alberta, Michigan. It's a, on a recent case from November that we'll have to follow. Okay. I am going to tell you about women, three different women, who killed people who were abusing them. Oh. I actually felt like I needed it after the quadruple murder. (laughs) I was like, you know, 
the dude was abusive and it just escalated to murders, which basically the, the, what the police are saying and what he said in his text and stuff. So I was like, I need to, I need to read about women who were um, killing the people that were hurting them. I just, it makes me feel better. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> go for it. Yeah. You want me to go first? Or you want to go first? No, you go first. All right. So on November 20th of this year, a call came from the Freebold home and okay let me restart not enough not enough coffee this morning um I've I've had four cups so I feel like I'm okay (laughs) I'm I'm halfway in obviously I can't read my notes it's okay (laughs) (laughs) so a call a call came from the Freebold home to 911 but no one was on the other end Okay. Going going through news articles. Some mentioned no one was on the other end. Other other ones mentioned that they heard someone like having a hard time breathing. Maybe or, somebody saying help. Or maybe like just hearing movement sometimes. You know, you, you can hear that on the phone when somebody's like moving around on the other side. Yeah. So if you've ever been butt dialed, you know what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> yeah. So nine one one did their just amazing shit that I'm so amazed about because of my last story that even though nobody talked, they figured out where that cell phone was and sent the police there. Okay. And when the police arrived, they found Marilyn age 63 and Robert James age 27 deceased Wow. And Malachi, age 21, and Robert Michael, who was the father, age 58, in critical condition. Okay. Marilyn, Robert James, and Malachi all had gunshot wounds. And the father, Robert Michael, was in critical condition due to blunt force trauma. Okay. M Live reported that Malachi died at the hospital. So the only survivor was the father, Robert Michael Freebold. Okay. After reviewing the crime scene and the autopsy reports, only evidence mentioned in any of the news stories was in the Manistee News, which said the police found three guns in the home. Okay. So no other evidence was mentioned and the police went and arrested the father, Robert Michael, and charged him with three counts of open murder. Oh, no shit. So they think it's the dad. Yeah, I think so it's the dad. It's looking like a murder-suicide issue thing. Yeah. Or he wanted to make it look like someone also tried to kill him. But when people do that, they often don't go hard enough. <laughs> and right. and they, that's how they survive and it looks like, you know, yeah. Right. Okay. So I... Going through news stories because it's so new. Yeah. M Live M Live mentioned that they, you know, had talked to a family friend and said that, you know, their marriage had ended years ago. Like she had they were from my understanding, they're still married, but like she moved to Texas uh, and lived there for a long time, came back. Okay, and I get it. There was another news story that mentioned that the police believe that there was no drugs involved, but there could be alcohol involved. Okay. So there's a 
show show cause hearing on December 10th. So I'll have to follow up on this one to see, you know, what the heck happened. I cannot wait. When stuff is fresh, I'm like, please tell me how this gets figured out. It's one of the reasons why I think I like um, like solved cold cases. I want to know how they figured it out, you know. Yeah, well, and that's the that's the thing with me too. I like I like to have an ending, and I don't have an ending, yeah. <laughs> um, because it's so new. But I I'm always the one that look stumbles upon a story, but looking at when it happened uh-huh. was like the when it was written or talked about is the last thing I do. So uh-huh. I'm looking at November. I'm like, oh, this is a November case. Like wondering what year it is, and then at the end, I'm like, oh yeah, this is okay. Okay. Yeah, well, there was, I was going to do like a, a podcast on lost people and I only got like two into it, be, just like two people into it because lost people usually are not found. And it just, I don't understand how some people can do only unsolved cases. Like you are mentally tougher than I am because my ass is just too soft for that. I cannot do it. I, I right. Just, yeah, it just bums me the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Tell me about some women that kick some abu- Yeah, they kill their abusers. So I use the New York Times.com, cutegazette.com, theappeal.org, NOLA.com, NBCnews.com, Wikipedia, and Otis, the offender tracking and info system for Michigan, because one of these women are in Michigan. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So Katina Curley, she often suffered extreme physical and mental abuse from her husband, Ronaldo, and they lived in New Orleans, Louisiana, where I just vacationed. And I was like, okay, that's what I was looking around. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So she's in her mid thirties by spring of 2005. And she'd been with Ronaldo for about 10 years. They had seven kids and five of them still lived in the family home. I don't know where the other two children were and I don't understand but I couldn't, I was like, in the, in the grand scheme of things, that's not important. <laughs> I just got sidetracked right. is all. Yeah. So on March 30th, 2005, Katina comes home to Ronaldo and he has this woman over. And Katina, Katina and Ronaldo, they begin arguing and it, they go upstairs to their bedroom and it's continuing as they go upstairs to the bedroom. And there's a witness that say they heard April, which is Katina and Ronaldo's eight-year-old daughter, say, please don't hit mom. But he's, you know, it starts the abuse anyway. He pushes Katina on the bed. He throws like a pop can at her. He warns, you know, bitch, you're going to make me hurt you. And so she tried to call her grandpa to see if he would come over. And she ends up like being able to briefly speak to one of her aunts instead. And then she did something she had never done before. She grabs a gun that Ronaldo kept under the mattress. And when he advanced on her, she just became terrified. And she was like, you know, stop, stop. And he didn't. She fired once into his chest and it killed him. Oh, yeah. So this district attorney, though, he's a real douchebag. You find out he's like a douche nozzle if you look at all this stuff. Not just because of this case, but a lot of reasons. Okay. Yeah. And his name is Leon Canazario. So he later earns this negative reputation, but he just like basically fucks Katina over. So he goes after her full force, trying to convict her full force. He's now this, now that he's not um, at the district attorney anymore, people are talking shit about him in Louisiana. But he paints her as this jealous, angry woman who killed her husband after an argument grew out of control about the woman that was over, the, you know, at, the, at their house. 
And the newscasters at that time reported that Katina and Ronaldo didn't have a history of domestic violence, which was knowingly false because there were police records on file where she had called for police. So the district attorney is making her look like an asshole and the news people are like going along with it. It was just fucked up. So it's only after Katina is convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to life in jail that she was actually able to start to get help. So there's this new attorney that comes in and this new attorney is like way better than the original. And she starts to send up appeals with information showing authorities that Ronaldo um, Curley abused his wife and his kids. And when Katina shot Ronaldo in the chest, it was fear for her life, not just, you know, revenge or whatever. So on record, Ronaldo once threw Katina on the ground and kicked her so hard he dislocated her shoulder. And mm. there were times that he would repeatedly, like uh, this happened on more than one occasion, where he would repeatedly punch her in the face and break her nose and swell both her eyes closed. And he also tried to push Katina out of a moving car one time. And she had to beg him to stop the car. And when he did, she, she grabs her daughter, April, and she ran back home. And Katina's boss was able to testify. And now they didn't, do, they didn't let him testify in the original court case. This is all afterwards. Her boss is able to confirm that he often saw Katina with visible marks of trauma on her body, like black eyes and bite marks and bruises and cuts. And the police were aware of this abuse because um, there were six. And they, when she was prosecuted, they were there, there were six reports on Ronaldo. Um, from the police after the family grew like scared that he was going to kill somebody. And these reports included evidence of Ronaldo choking Katina and striking her in the face at the same time. Officers had noticed that she had visible bite marks on her skin. Katina testified that she didn't call the police more often than those six times because he would take her phone away and break it if she tried. And then she wasn't able to get another phone. It would be hard to get another phone. And her children testified that their mother was beaten so many times they weren't able to count that high. Because what they do in the court, they're like, did you see him do it, you know, how many times? And if you say, I don't know, they're like, was it five times or ten times? And the kids, you know, a hundred times. And the kids were like, I literally can't count that high. That's how many times my dad attacked my mom. So goodness. Yeah. And and the the prosecutor and her defense attorney mentioned none of this fucking shit during her original case. They're like, no, no, she was jealous and she went after him. And her attorney was just a douche nozzle. The prosecutor was a douche nozzle. And her, and her defense attorney was a douche nozzle. It was court appointed. So this a Louisiana court determined that Katina's trial attorney did not provide her adequate counsel. He did not enter evidence for the battered spouse syndrome, which is actually, we talked about that before. Mm-hmm. And like, I think it was like episode 21 or something about the burning bed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that was the first time they used it in Michigan. So it's also, the, the court also determined that Katina's attorney had failed her when he didn't have any experts testify on her behalf regarding the mental torture that she was subjected to because he didn't just like beat her physically. He would, you know, purposely scare her and torture her, do things on purpose, you know? So this district attorney still, Leon Canizaro, he would, he, his office appeals that ruling and they have it overturned. Yeah. They're like, nope, you gotta overturn it. So drama not over. Right. The Louisiana Supreme Court then reverses the appellate court's decision. Okay. The Supreme Court's like, no, you guys didn't do it. <laughs> you guys did a shit job. So they concluded that Katina shot her husband in self-defense after over a decade of mental and physical abuse. Her lawyer did not provide adequate counsel. He should have talked about the abuse sh- syndrome. And in general, and I will quote what the judge says, 
he failed entirely to investigate the proper way to defend Katina. The, Louis- the, the Louisiana Supreme Court then ruled that Katina should be allowed a retrial. And now at this point, she'd been in jail for like 11 years minus one month. It was like actually 10 years and 11 months. So that's 11 years. Mm-hmm. So then she finally gets free. Still being a dick. Still being a dick. The former DA, Canizaro, he acted like society in general was in danger because Katina had been released on bond. When he gave interviews, like basically hide your children, hide your husbands, she's on bond. Like what? This was an abused woman who was protecting herself. He refused at any point to acknowledge that his office fought to give Katina a longer prison sentence than he does for men who murder their wives. Because when they looked at the data, they found that this DA was giving women life in prison sentences if they defended themselves against their husband and husbands were getting like, you know, um, 20 years and they could get out in 10. Right. So he's a dick. He is such a dick. See, when I called him a douche nozzle, it was warranted. <laughs> and he also still refused to acknowledge the excessive abuse that was inside the curly house that Katina was under and the kids. So he's actually no longer the New Orleans, Louisiana DA. And he, he is considered to have a shady legacy. And I think it, that it's interesting that Ronaldo's family is fine with Katina being released. And at one point, this, uh, this um, newscaster, I'm sorry, our news reporter was really trying to get like his sister hyped up. Like she didn't, you know, she got out and blah, blah, blah. And his, his sister was like, she served 11 years. Plus she was with him for 10 and that's enough. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. Right. Wow. You know, he was terrible. Well, I just want to let you know that if I get in, if I'm in an abusive relationship and I murdered uh-huh. the dude, I'd uh-huh. be okay staying in jail. Yeah. I mean, no. I did it and I'd be proud of it. Like, I just killed a dude that beat the shit out of me for many years. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'd be proud of that shit. Well, I was telling my daughter the other day, I was like, the older I get, the less scary jail is because I'm not going to be allowed. <laughs> It's not like I'm going to live for another 60 years in jail. <laughs> I'm dead way before that. So don't worry. I can do some time at the end of my life. I'm fine. I remember, I can read books in my own fucking business. <laughs> I remember when Brandon was younger and we got, I got pulled over and he's like, you're going to go to jail. And I'm like, free food. Somebody cleaning for me. Take me now. Take me now. <laughs> That's right. Or one time when Ariana was little, I was like, I will go to jail for murder. I don't care. To me, it's like eight hours of sleep and three square meals. I'm fine. Right. <laughs> What's your next one? Yeah. So the next one is Barbara Sheehan. Now, she was married to Raymond Sheehan for 25 years by 2008. And he was a police officer and he had retired as a sergeant. And during their marriage, Raymond terrorized and brutalized his wife, Barbara. And it was something that it was like well known within their family as he, he did not hide it. And Raymond's children testified in court that they're that just the year before when they had been on, on vacation. Now, these are like grown children. They've been, you know, their parents have been married for 25 years. They were on vacation and Raymond slammed Barbara's head into a cement wall when they were on vacation in Jamaica because he got mad at her. Oh, my God. Now, one night in 2008, Raymond punched Barbara in the face and he threw a boiling uh, pot of pasta sauce on her and because she had told Raymond that she didn't want to go to Florida and that pissed him off enough that he tried to burn her and punched her in the face. And he told her he's going to kill her later that day. He's like, I'm going to kill you tonight. And after he tells her this, 
he goes into the bathroom and starts to shave his face. And she went and grabbed two of his guns. And she shot at him with both striking him 11 times and killing Raymond. Now, these are pistols. They're the six-shot pistols. So there's only 12 bullets. And she hits him 11 times. So in court, Barbara had been found innocent of her husband's murder because they deemed that she was reasonably scared for her life because he had done other things that made her think that she was going to die one day. And he had just told her, like, you're going to die later. And Raymond, you know, he had, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. So he had threatened to kill her. He had done things before to hurt her. However, they did find her guilty of illegal possession of a weapon for the second gun that she shot Raymond with. And the jury believed that at the point when Barbara went to go get the second gun, she should have known that he no longer posed a threat to her. But the one thing I wanted to say is, have you ever been like super, super scared? Like I could see when people um, freak out and just hold down the trigger of a weapon because you're just so scared. You know what I'm saying? You'll do whatever. I could see being scared enough, like shooting the six shots and then running and grabbing another one just in case he gets up because this person has terrorized you for literally 25 years and in your mind they can do anything they you know they could even stand up after being shot well i kind of understood well (laughs) and what i would say is i mean i am not shot in a gun so i shoot you did i hit you do i know i hit you are you dead heck i don't know you know like and you're absolutely terrified of this person yeah i would at this point, you know, shoot him again with the second gun. Go get a knife. Stab him a few times. Hit him with the bat. Like, we need to make sure he's gone. You know what right. I mean? Like, the last thing we can have is him to not be dead and come back and kill us for trying to defend ourselves. Right. Yeah. So, the this was in New York that this happened. And the Queens District Attorney, Richard Brown, who actually worked really hard to convict Barbara of murder, he said this. According to recent statistics, one in three women will suffer some physical abuse during her lifetime from someone she knows. Six million American women are beaten each year by their husbands or boyfriends. 4,000 are killed. And children are abused in 70% of the households where domestic violence takes place. So this dude knows all those statistics and then still worked really hard to convict her of murder for defending herself. It was, it was confusing to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, The last one is Nancy Seaman, and this actually happened in Michigan. So Nancy Seaman and her husband, Bob, lived in Farmington Hills, and they had two sons, Jeff and Greg, and they're in their 20s by 2004. And Nancy had spent most of their marriage as a stay-at-home mom, but as their boys grew up, she became a teacher. And by 2004, after being married for 30 years, Nancy wanted a divorce. Bob and Nancy were living on separate floors of the house, and Nancy had put money down on a condo. So according to Nancy... Bob was abusive to her. Nancy claims Bob would often grab her and squeeze her arms or shove her into into a wall or on the floor. And their oldest son, Jeff, disagrees. He said, no, my dad wasn't abusive. But Greg, the youngest, testifies, yes, he was. I saw him do it. So that's confusing right there, right? Mm -hmm. May 10, 2004, Bob and Nancy, they're arguing. According to Nancy, he chased her in the garage while he's holding a knife and Nancy fell. And that was when she saw the hatchet she had purchased the day before. And she stood up and turns and hits Bob on the head with the hatchet. And he falls on top of her. And she says that she thinks that he's further attacking her. So she grabs the knife that she says laying on the ground and she stabs him several times. And in her shock and fear, she stabs him about 20 times. Then she tried to call into work. And when they weren't able to find a substitute teacher, she goes in to teach. 
And she talked about feeling like she was in a daze, like in shock. Because I was like, what is this? So I was reading the psychologist report. They said she was actually probably in shock. And when you're in shock, you actually keep going in the way that your body's trained to move every day. Because you know how every day you go to work and you follow the same pattern? Mm-hmm. That when you're in shock, you'll just keep going. I was like, you know what? I wish I was in shock during high school so every day I could just go through school like I was in a daze. Right. <laughs> like, <yeah>. right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so on lunch, Nancy goes home and she's like panicking. And she decides to put Bob's body in the back of the SUV. Now she does, he stays where he stays for two days. And this is why they're talking. Her defense team is like, look, she obviously wasn't prepared for this. You know, this wasn't something that she was planning. So Nancy drives to the store though. She shoplifted a new hatchet, then returns with the receipt for the original in attempt to like cover her tracks. So now she's done shit that shows like she wasn't planning to do it, but then has now has behavior that shows she's trying to cover it up. Right. Right. So it's very fucking confusing. So Bob's family calls the police after they lose contact with them. And that's when they find Bob's body. And she immediately tells detectives like her portion of the story. And a leading expert in better spouse syndrome was able to testify about the condition, uh, you know, the syndrome, but not able to testify about Nancy specifically. And she was um, convicted of first degree murder. And in Michigan, that means life in jail, no parole, right? Mm-hmm. The judge in the case, which was a former Oakland County Circuit Court judge named Jack McDonald, he advocated for a lesser sentence for Nancy. He felt like that first-degree murder for her case was too harsh. Jack also felt that the jury convicted Nancy of the crime because they weren't able to hear full testimony of her abuse um, from Bob. And Nancy has exhausted all her appeals and petitioned for a new federal trial. November 4th, 2010, United States federal judge Bernard A. Friedman overturned her conviction and ordered a new trial. However, less than three months later, another judge issued a stay of proceedings and denied the new trial. So Nancy's lawyers, with the help of the former judge, Jack McDonald, they they petitioned former Governor Rick Snyder for a pardon in 2018. And I looked it up. She currently, Nancy currently lives in the Women's Huron Valley Complex in Ypsilanti, Michigan. So I'd say she did not get pardoned. Right. And she's 68 years old. Still there. So I was looking at all these statistics. So women get longer sentences when they kill their husbands versus men who kill their wives. And women are most likely to get life and sentence uh, life in prison sentences for killing their abusers. This one lady in Louisiana fired a warning shot into the air when her husband was coming for her and she received 20 years. Wow. A warning shot. <laughs> I was like, how the fuck can we not defend ourselves? That's serious. Help me. But like you said, I'll just go to jail at this point. Fuck it. Right. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to jail, be proud of it. Yeah. You know, at this age, I'm going. Yeah, I killed him. Just let me be. Yeah, I made it to middle age uh, on the outside. I'm fine. (laughs) All right, Jen, I will talk to you later. And, oh, next time I'm going to tell you about a murderous gang. Ooh. Yeah, and they do the something that is the first time it ever had happened, and it happened from this gang. And it's something that later on becomes, you know, something all bad guys do. I'm on my edge of my seat waiting. You, as you should be. <laughs> All, right. All, right. All right. I'll talk to you later.
Contact us at anchor or Michigan and other mayhem at gmail.com or on Facebook to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, or correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Bye-bye now.